All right. Well, welcome to the 1,000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Urich. I am the founder of 1,000 Hours Outside, and it is always a treat to sit across the screen from a friend, Penny Whitehouse. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Ginny. This is so special. I actually truthfully thought, why haven't we already done this? I don't know. I've missed the opportunity, Penny, to have more conversations with you. And also, Penny is one of my favorite names. So I'll just throw that out there. But we've been connected for a while. And before we were connected, I was like a stalker admirer fan. So uh, (laughs) it's always fun to connect with the people that you kind of stalk. I have loved your movement and the name of what you do, Mother Natured. It's one of those things where you're like, oh, I wish I would have thought of that. Oh, really? That's so beautiful to hear. For probably since close to when you started and have been following along and you have been making the cutest crafts long before reels came out, the coolest things with nature, simple, but beautiful and enchanting. And so thanks for coming on here with us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's so nice to see you face to face again. It's Mm -hmm. been way too long since we've reconnected. (laughs) I know. I know. We won't let it happen again. Can you tell us about Mother Natured and how you got started with it? What was your inspiration and what's been your inspiration to keep it up? I know it's a lot of work and you've been going for a long time. I have been going for a long time. It's, I guess um, it kind of started because I was a zookeeper for many years. Tell us what you did at the zoo, because I do not know any other zookeepers. You're the only one I know. Oh, well, it was a beautiful time where I just, I really loved animals, actually. It probably starts a little bit earlier than that. When I was a kid, like when I felt anxious or uncomfortable, I used to run outside and I would cry in a bush or I'd talk to animals. And I love nature. I loved nature and plants, but my passion was wildlife. And I think just because as a child, you have, an animal doesn't judge you. An animal mm-hmm. just, you know, is there to listen. And so I felt this real connection with wildlife. Zoom into, I know, my childhood and my mother getting cranky at me because I would constantly bring home animals <laughs> that are, you know, sick, injured animals. And be like, not again. <laughs> and, um, I don't think she was surprised when I became a zookeeper. Mm-hmm. So I loved that job. I became a zookeeper for about five years and then a wildlife education officer because I always wanted to work with children as well. So it was the best of both worlds. I got to both work with wildlife and connect with children. It was an incredible job and I have some amazing stories from that time because obviously working with children and animals, the stories I have are insane. (laughs) So I actually started Mother Nature as a wildlife education website. So it was to inspire children to connect with wildlife. That hit a road bump when I was changing and growing and had my own children and started to realise that wildlife needed habitat you know people naturally connect with wildlife what we really needed was was habitat for the wildlife to live in and so I had to leave the zoo industry because I just felt like we needed children to understand that the holistic connection with nature not just with animals Mm -hmm. So I actually became an environmental education officer. So uh, all the environment, I learned amazing things about swales and ecosystems and native flora, which I'm a total nerd about now. I love native plants. And it really just helped cement that thought process of getting kids out in nature is the most important thing, not just connecting with wildlife. 
wildlife is a beautiful entry into connecting mm-hmm. to wild, into nature, but I think it's really important that they understand the whole side of it and in order to save it, I guess. And so Mother Nature was born then. It changed from a wildlife blog to, to Mother Nature. And from that point on, I just really wanted to provide parents and educators with opportunities to, to continue to foster that relationship with nature. So, yeah, that's how Mother Nature was born. Mm-hmm. And you sure have done that. You sure have continued. And so over the years, now you're juggling a lot. And when you and I have connected in the past, you've got jobs, you've got your own kids. How have you found the inspiration to keep going with it? And then tell us what's your latest big project. Oh, it's a labor of love, honestly. (laughs) Whenever I feel, uh, if anyone out there is an entrepreneur or wants to be, have their own business or just has a a passion, you have real road bumps where you're so excited about projects and then you, you know, you have ebbs and flows and rhythms to your business or to your passion project. And I've definitely had those moments. But I, I just love it. I just I love creating crafts, activities, printables and resources for parents and educators. It's, I think it's just it's always meant to be. When yeah. people talk to me and I'm talking about Mother Nature, they're always like, wow, you really love this. And it's true. Aww. I really love it. <laughs> There's a book, Penny. It's called Steal Like an Artist by an author named Austin Cleon. And he talks in there about always having something going on the side and how important that is because it keeps you passionate about life, keeps you creative, keeps that those like good feelings going. And even though it's hard, and like you said, there's a lot of road bumps, there are a lot of benefits to it as well. And like you said, people know you're passionate about it. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's studies related to that regarding having a passion project and how great it is for your mental health. Um, And I definitely agree with that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, so you had a, a big project that just launched this year, and I love the concept of it. I've never heard anything like it before. Tell us what it is. The Muddy Chef. Yes! <laughs> I love it. So I made a, this has actually been three years in the making. Wow. We pitched it. Good we pitched you. at a children and young adults conference and everyone was interested, but it just didn't go, gain momentum. And then um, my best friend, Emma, and I actually wrote it together. And I think I approached her and said, hey, we really need to do this. We just let's self-publish it then. And two weeks later, after I had that discussion, a publisher came to me and said, hey, you still want to do that Muddy Chef book? And I was like, oh my gosh, yes. I just put that out into the world and it worked. So mm-hmm. that was very, very exciting. So yes, the Muddy Chef is a labor of love. and. It's a labor of love because my three daughters have had a mud kitchen since they were four. Mm. My stepdad made a mud kitchen for us for Christmas. I begged him and said, please, please, Steve, can you make a mud kitchen for my daughters? And he did. And I will never, I, I honestly preach mud kitchens to everybody because I just think they're so valuable to play. And I was listening to Alistair's podcast I think it was number 48 but forgive me if I've got that wrong and he talked a lot about micro as you would know my micro adventures and I think micro adventures are I, I mean I love the concept and I lo- I just adore it and we do that quite often in fact we're doing it tonight we're going to the beach for dinner <laughs> oh yay <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I also think we spend a lot of time at home and especially after the pandemic, which we spend a lot more time at home. A lot of us become a little bit more comfortable in our own spaces. And I think it's so important to create the space in your backyard that will entice your children outdoors. And a mud kitchen is the perfect way of doing that. So the Muddy Chef, which I haven't even explained yet. <laughs> well, listeners, I'm so sorry. The Muddy Chef is actually a cookbook. Um, it's it. not for making food, though. <laughs> it's, it has recipe muddy recipes for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and dessert and drinks. Mm-hmm. And children can use the book in their muddy space in their backyard or in their mud kitchen to create recipes with mud and sand and natural materials that you would find in your backyard. It's the best. And they're the coolest names. It's like unlickable lasagna and nature's nachos and wild waffles. They're really fun ideas in there to get the creative juices flowing. I think playing kitchen is one of the best parts of childhood. And, you know, they want to serve you the food. And so to have this entryway into just creativity and relationship and pretend play is so fun. So tell us more about your mud kitchen and then what's a good way to set up a mud kitchen? Ah, great question. So my mud kitchen's pretty simple. Uh, He just, Steve found, so my stepdad found a secondhand sink and just put it into a box of wood, really. And that's it. Wow. (laughs) And yeah, like it it can, a mud kitchen can be as extravagant as you want or as simple as you want. It can be literally a little space in your backyard that children can, that you fill with dirt or that you dig up in your backyard with dirt and you add, I personally, I'll tell you why I think adding sand is a great idea too. But having this little space where there's mud and sand and children and all you need is some secondhand materials from a secondhand store. So things that I usually, that I have in my mud kitchen are whisks and little stainless steel jugs. And I go stainless steel because they're more durable and they won't break in the sun if you decide to get plastics. And we also have bowls and trays and... And, oh my gosh, <laughs> so many things. <laughs> I can't even, my brain can't even formulate a sentence because I just have so many utensils. Anything that you can find in a kitchen mm-hmm. is in our mud kitchen outside. Mm-hmm. And we buy secondhand items or things that are old from our kitchen. And to be honest, quite a lot of other th- things that shouldn't go out in the mud kitchen end up in the mud kitchen. <laughs> well, because they create with it. I, I gave exactly. a gift. Okay, this reminds me of, I gave a gift to a friend one time and it was a kitchen item and it was a way to make eggs look like an owl. So it was like two eyes. It was a silicone thing and you crack the eggs in the eyes and then the white goes under. It looks like an owl with two yellow eyes. Anyway, she must not have liked it, Penny, because one time we were over at their house and it was with their sand toys. <laughs> but but the point is, is that anything that you use in the kitchen, cookie cutters, any of that kind of stuff is going to be a great addition. Rolling pins to their outdoor play. So you have all of that. And then what kind of ingredients do you use? Tell us about the sand yeah. Well, there's three main ingredients that I use. I use dirt, of course. And can I just say for your listeners, dirt is so important because uh, it has a bacterium in it called uh, Microbacterium vacci, and it is excellent for counteracting all the sterile moments that we've had mm-hmm. from the pandemic. You can your children need that bacterium for so many things. It's really good for reducing asthma. It's really great for and mental blank. 
Yeah, it's just like for their immune system, right? So that their allergies even, allergies and things, sure. There's mm-hmm. so many, there's so many wonderful um, benefits depression? from that. Is that one? I've heard that it helps depression, with like your yes, mental yes. health. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so uh, so we use dirt a lot. We use sand, and uh, the reason we add sand in is because, well, many children got a sand pit, but bringing that into your mud kitchen means that your children are playing with both dirt and sand and different materials and experimenting with those, which is excellent for science mm-hmm. <laughs> and construction yeah. and using different materials to build. So we bring sand in. And then my third ingredient is my whole backyard. As I said, I love native plants. And so my mm-hmm. backyard is filled with plants that flower throughout the year and create little seed pods or have some texture and interesting features, different senses, uh, sensory wow. items, so herbs. And my children have the ability to go out and collect any materials that they like for their mud oh. kitchen. And so, of course, that it means that they have natural loose parts at their fingertips. Wow. <laughs> Every single day, whenever they want. Um, and they also notice the seasons because of that, because they're constantly going out and collecting natural materials. So, it's a beautiful way to hone into the seasons throughout the year. Wow. And if you live somewhere where you're about to get snow, of course, your mud kitchen become a, can become a snow kitchen. So, don't mm-hmm. forget to add snow in too. <laughs> oh, yes. All year round. I think that that's a motivator too, Penny, to have a garden or to grow, like you said, native plants. Because um, I've talked to Sharon Lovejoy. She's got that Roots, Shoots, Buckets and Boots book all about gardening with kids. And she has in there all of these different things that you can grow that smell really nice or have a really neat texture or you could use it as a little fairy dish, these different things. And so it's motivating then to have those things in your yard, edible flowers or not edible, really, because you're not eating this stuff anyway, but <laughs> but whatever is there, because then that's going to help them with their imagination. And today we were on a walk on our side of the world. The milkweed has gone to seed. And so the milkweed pods are everywhere and you open them up. They're so pretty in there and soft, you know, so that will be such cool things to add to a mud kitchen. So it's a motivator, I think, for the whole family to include in your yard things that you could use in the mud kitchen and play pretend with and cut and make things into. So I love that. I love that you allow the girls to do that. I probably should have started by having you introduce yourself because I know you and then I kind of forgot. So can we can we go backwards? Can you tell people where you're from, a little bit about your family so they have a little bit of a backstory? Sorry. <laughs> No, that's okay. I think that happens when you know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have three daughters and I have, uh, they're a little bit older now because I've been, I've had my website for a very long time mm-hmm. and they've had that connection with nature for a long time. Uh, so I have a um, 14 year old, which is a really interesting time in my life. Yeah, <laughs> and, we have the same, our oldest are the same age. Was she born in 2008? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I have twin twin eleven year olds who um, I, can I just say that all three of them still love the mud kitchen. They still love going oh. out into that mud kitchen. That is an important thing to say because if someone yeah. were listening and let's say they had an eight year old or even a ten year old and they were thinking, oh, maybe it's a little too late. It's not. And those not. middle childhood years are are so important for creativity and flexibility and playing pretend still. And I think if the environment is right they still do it. Yes. And I mean, again, that children will go into their mud kitchen and they'll leave their mud kitchen and they will, I think what I love about 
having a teenager or tweens that still interact with the mud kitchen is they tend to, when they were little, they it was both an independent play opportunity and a social play. So we'd regularly have the neighbours come over and they'd have mud bake-offs. And then, you know, now I feel like it's a little bit more they go out when they need alone time. Mm. They just want to play with their hand, use their hands in some way. They really use it as a way to calm down the busy lifestyle that we have. And it just, yeah, the relationship changes with the mud kitchen. The only way I can say to get them back into it is to, you have to hose it off. (laughs) Once it's messy, they don't want to play it anymore. So just grab the hose off and they'll be back in (laughs) within five minutes. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum sealed and frozen at peak freshness. So you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chops hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops' price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com slash outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com slash outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash outside120 code outside120. That's good advice. So they like to come into it sort of fresh and make their creations and then you make it fresh again with the hose. That's really, really good advice. And I think that's super encouraging that kids continue to play. What a gift to the family and what a gift to them to have a place where they can go and decompress and create 
and use their imagination still and deal with the stresses. I think it's stressful to be a teen or a tween, especially today. And they're dealing a lot with a lot more than we had to deal with. They are. And they've got screens, which means that they don't have as much downtime Mm -hmm. away from technology. And so providing opportunities for them is so important Mm -hmm. to get away from their screens. And so... I'm very lucky that they have that opportunity with a mud kitchen. Yeah. Of course, I would recommend decking out your whole backyard with <laughs> with nature, not just having a mud kitchen. There's so many other opportunities that you can do to try and encourage your children outside. But yeah, the mud kitchen is definitely the heart of our backyard. <laughs> yes. It's and it's interesting too, because even if someone didn't have a backyard, it's something you could probably do on a porch or a patio. It's something small enough where you could have a bin of kitchen utensils and you could do that in a smaller space too. So it's one of those things that's pretty accessible. It's such a great idea. Can you hold up the book again? And this is coming out right before the holidays, The Muddy Chef by Penny Whitehouse and Emma Bear. Is that really her name? Oh, my best friend has the most amazing name. When I met her, her maiden name was B, and um, so Emma B, and then she married Millenbear, so she... Um, <laughs> she's she Emma Bear? <laughs> yeah, Emma Bear. So her that. whole like, life, oh. she's had an amazing name. I love yeah, that. How do you know her, and how was it like writing a book with a friend? Ah, oh, so Emma and I go way back. We actually, we actually exchanged a book before we even met um, my brother gave a book to her because he was working with her, um, a book of mine to her because he thought she would like it. And then I get a little note back in the book um, from her oh. saying, hey, if you ever want to meet up, that'd be great. Then we went to university together and we both were studying wildlife biology because we both wanted to be zookeepers. Mm-hmm. And we, I don't know, we hit it off. We got on really well. And then we realized that we were that, we exchanged a book many years ago. So it was like this meant to be moment. Oh. And Emma is just a beautiful soul and I love her so much. And she was just, yeah, I'm, I always want to do, wanted to do something with her. We've always wanted to publish a book. And so you the Money Chef was the perfect opportunity. You did it. <laughs> I think that's amazing when there's things that you always wanted to do and then you did it. Now, do you live locally to each other? We do. We're we our children go to school together, and we yeah we're we're able to catch up here in Australia <laughs> in the sunny Australia, and yeah we just we both have very similar philosophies about nature and nature connection, and we actually went through our similar our similar life life stories because she went to university, became a zookeeper, became a wildlife education officer, and she's in communications, which is exactly my story. So it's all very strange, but meant to be, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is coming out right before the holidays and I am trying to highlight different holiday gifts that would be very meaningful and would span childhood that would give much more gifts than the gift itself, right? The gift of play, the gift of imagination, the gift of creativity. And so the Muddy Chef is available in Australia, obviously, but it's also available other places. I saw it's available here in the U.S. It is. Hooray. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) So that's a great one. And people can check that out. If they want to find more information about the book itself, Penny, where is a good place for them to go? Uh, you can go on my website and uh, there's a little bit of information about the book, but I think the best place is just to Google it because that's easy and then it'll come up and you'll be able to see some of the beautiful images inside the book. So there's it's lots beautiful. of, they really, the ingredients or the recipes really do look like real food. I can, every time I look at the um, blossom 
drip cake. I just want to eat it. It looks like a mud a mud cake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so go and have a look at the beautiful images, even if that just inspires you to start a mud kitchen mm-hmm. or to get a mud kitchen for Christmas or set up like just um, a container of dirt and a container of sand out in your backyard with mm-hmm. some utensils. If that inspires you, that would make my day. <laughs> Aww. And it's one of those books I think that inspires kids. I think that because we're so technologically heavy, it's really important for kids to see pictures of other kids or creations from other kids of things that they're doing hands-on because it reminds them. Well, like, hey, sometimes it's easy to forget. Like if I have a day when I have a lot of work, maybe podcast, 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 or certain things, and it's all technology, then when I finish, sometimes I feel a little lost. Oh, you know, oh, I should go outside. I should go for a walk. I'm just trying to like sort my way through. And I think the same is true for our kids a lot of times. If it's technology, technology, homework, homework, then it's kind of like, okay, well, how do I transition out of it? And so to have a book that shows a way to transition out of it that's enticing is a perfect one to have on the shelf. So I love it. The Muddy Chef by Penny Whitehouse and Emma Bear. It's beautiful. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you so much. And I did want to say that my children did inspire this book. Um, and there's quite a few recipes in there that were inspired by them. <laughs> That's really so they look amazing. Mm-hmm. And of course, your children won't create them quite to the same degree <laughs> that mm-hmm. I did. It doesn't matter. It's lovely to get your hands dirty and just to create whatever they like. Mm-hmm. And I guess it brings literacy into a mud kitchen too, because they're following instructions, which yes. is exactly what they would do in the kitchen, but they can do it in their own terms without being worried worried about sharp knives they can just bake when it suits them it's very freeing to go into a mud kitchen look at a recipe recipe book and recreate it yes and you feel a little grown up because you have your own recipe book that you can kind of tweak and i love that literacy component This episode is sponsored by the 1000 Hours Outside Picnic Supplies. You don't need much to get outside, but having food and water along will help you stay and play longer. As a family of seven, we need picnic supplies to be durable and convenient. In the 1000 Hours Outside shop, we sell what our family actually uses on our daily outdoor outings. Choose from insulated coolers, the cutest bento boxes you've ever seen, snack cups, carabiner mugs that you can clip to your backpack, picnic blankets, drink tumblers, and stainless steel double wall insulated water bottles that don't leak and hold up to your thousands of hours of outside adventures. There are all sorts of colors to choose from. Find it all at 1000hoursoutside.com forward slash shop forward slash picnic. You have so much more than this book though through Mother Nature. (laughs) And like I said earlier, before reels and TikTok and all of that, You were the one, you were like the forerunner making these really cool videos. Like, I mean, I can think of certain ones, you're painting a leaf, you're painting it white, you turn it into a ghost, you know, you take a leaf and you turn it into an envelope and then you put a little (laughs) note inside. I mean, so many of these enchanting, but really accessible, fairly easy ideas. So tell us about how you come up with that and then about your nature printables club. When you say you said two crafts related to leaves, and it is leaves that really do make me go outside, I see something and I'm like, oh, I can make it into this. Isn't it interesting? My mind does not do that. I see your things and I'm like, oh, I would have never thought of that. And But they're so cute. Like you had a leaf wreath, so many. Yeah, there are a lot of leaf ideas because then there was the, there leaf, the leaf softy. You sewed it. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I'm a bit addicted to leaves. I even just like go for a walk with my new puppy and look for, look at leaves and just go, wow, that one has so many splotches and colours on there. What mm. can I use it for? I do have, I have tried really hard not to just stick to leaves, but they seem to be the thing that I gravitate to. Nature crafts for me have been so good for um, my mental health and I really do enjoy crafting and being creative and I know my children love being crafty and creative and so it was a beautiful way to bond using nature. It's also so great for the environment because all the materials biodegrade. Um, I mean, occasionally I do use materials that don't biodegrade, but most of the time I try really hard to make sure that most of it's eco-friendly. And so I guess I've, I see a lot of synthetic craft materials out there and think about the, the longevity of them considering they come home we're like oh cool that's really amazing and most of them end up going into landfill you sneak it in because you've got so many crafts already saved in your beautiful treasure box for your children and so I really love nature crafts because of that sustainability element and I also love it because it helps children see the systems of nature and let go I guess so you make a craft, so say I make that leaf wreath and it changes every single day. So once you've made it, you get to watch it. It's a work of art that changes every day and your children get to see that change. They get to know biodeg what biodegrading is as well. They start to see it biodegrade. They see the, t the leaves twist and turn and change and, um, and then, you know, you can either just leave it there and watch it fall to pieces or you can put it in your compost, which is what we usually do mm -hmm. <laughs> after we've decided it's starting to, to not look as, as lovely as it first did. It usually goes into the compost. And it's a beautiful way of children knowing that they made it and it's going back into the earth. Mm. That is beautiful. And we take photos, of course, and obviously yeah. I do videos. You do awesome <laughs> videos. I take photos and we can keep it that way, but it means that I'm not putting anything into landfill. It's all just biodegrading and it's just a lovely story to your yeah. crafts. Yeah. And then, like you said, there's so many options of different textures and colors and smells and things to use. There's so much variety. Um, you had talked on your website about well, see, you love nature since you were a kid, and then it followed you into an adulthood. But then you talk specifically about how it has helped you as a parent, as a mother. So can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, gosh. Um, it's helped me in so many ways, just from being a mother independently, to my mental health, to learning. I mean, nature teaches you so much when you start to hone in on it and you start to notice. Mm. You can learn things about yourself and things about systems and life just by watching nature. So from my own personal experience as a mother, it's helped me grow as a person and feel connected to something greater than myself. And for my children, oh, my gosh, I don't think we can measure how much it helps children um, or you for your entire life. It's something, there's something beautiful about micro adventures and big adventures and beautiful childhood memories that you're creating for your children in your backyards mm -hmm. that are all these little layers of childhood memories that add up to their to their soul yeah. <laughs> and so I feel like from a mental health perspective from a developmental perspective from a learning perspective mm -hmm. from them feeling connected to their entire 
world. It's really just developed them into a little human that I hope that they continue on when they don't have me instilling that joy and excitement for nature. I mean, I love mushrooms. That's one of my things as well, leaves and mushrooms. Uh, I love fungi and just going out for a walk with your children and being excited about fungi makes them excited about fungi. Mm-hmm. And so now they're always excited to find fungi. Mm-hmm. And it's more they're more excited almost than me now about fungi. <laughs> and so I think that just bringing those little joys into your lifestyle and your activities really cements something in their heart for them. Yeah, mm. that's beautiful. Kim John Payne has that book, Simplicity Parenting, and it's such a fantastic book and a quick read. But he ends it by saying something along the lines of rescue your kids, rescue their childhood, and they will day by day rescue you right back. And I thought it was such yes. a powerful thing because for me, you talk about trying to get kids outside and there would have been a point in time in my life where I would have thought, I can't shoulder one more thing. You know, people are saying you got to get your kids out. It's important for them. The dirt is important. And at a certain point, I would have thought, well, I can't. I'm I'm doing enough already and I cannot add on one more thing to my plate. But really, it's a different way to approach childhood, to approach life, which is you're replacing something else and you're adding in this slow search for mushrooms and making not nature's nachos, but trusting that those things hold so much value both for now and to come and for for the whole family. And so it's such a great reminder. You talk about the attention cup on your website. And can you tell us what that is? Um, I think it's it's essentially like, um, I can't remember who penned it, but it was more just about you're filling your cup. You're filling your cup with lots of Lots of busyness in the day. Well, sorry, you're emptying your cup. I mean, most people know this analogy where you empty your cup and then you're filling it. Filling it with nature is just an incredible way to bring your cup back up to where it needs to be so that you can continue to push through the busyness of life. You were saying that for parents, it is so hard. I'm very aware that it's so hard to get your kids outside sometimes. But I think what when you were talking about that, what I pictured the most was when my babies were troubled from the get-go of children, when you first have babies, you're feeling so overwhelmed, you're changing as a mother yourself, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're grieving who you are because now you are a mother. It's really different. But it's one simple thing that will just help with that hard moment in your head where you just take your baby outside and they become a totally different child and you become a totally different mother just by going outside. And I think it's just you need to have that as your mantra. You know that, okay, this is the thing that's worked. Let's try this. Mm -hmm. And that could be putting a picnic rug on the grass and bringing a baby out and putting them on the the picnic rug. Nature helps you Mm -hmm. calm. It helps your baby calm. And bringing nature into your daily life will support a, a better life and a, yeah. and a more relaxed life and a more simple life. And that's just from birth. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie-smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, 
Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. And then I've been using that same concept when everything's just a bit too much and you can feel it. You can feel that energy in the room mm-hmm. when there's someone's feeling awkward. I'm feeling cranky. There's that tension. Yeah. As soon as you go outside, you still have it for a bit, but within minutes, you're just you're back to, it centers you. That's what I'm trying to get to. It centers you. And so if you can try and remember to always go outside when you're feeling that energy that's not constructive, Mm -hmm. going outside And sometimes that's the hardest time to go because you feel like I can't do one more thing, but you can push through that little bit. And I like that thought of the cup because we all are having, as adults, as children, we're being drained out. Things are happening yeah. in our lives. And sometimes I think it's too much for one person or two parents to fill back the cups of everyone. I think that's why at the beginning of parenting, I felt like I was failing so much is because I wasn't meeting the needs. And then as soon as we started to shift and to go outside, it was like everyone's needs were met. That's why I love Mother Natured. Because it's mother nature is helping the kids. It's like another mother and someone even for you as the adult that's going to come and give you a chance to relax and catch your breath and to enjoy because the years fly by. And I think it's good for people to hear with a 14-year-old and 11-year-olds, which we have a 14-year-old and one 11-year-old, no twins for us, but this lifestyle will work. It will continue to work. And I have gotten messages from parents that have grown kids and they say, look, now we're out hiking with our grown kids. We're hiking 
hiking with our grandkids. So I think it's great. Find something that works. And then, you know, I think so often in childhood, things change so fast. There are stages that you're like, oh, that worked yesterday, but it doesn't work now. Today, I have to change. But with nature, it's going to work all the way through your whole life. And it's a strategy that you can go back to. And fill everybody's cup with. So I think that's a really exactly. make it your default. Make nature your default. Oh, I love that. That's going to be the title, maybe. Make nature <laughs> your default. Oh, that's so awesome. So, so back to the Nature Printables Club because we're heading into the holidays, and you always have seasonal, really cool seasonal things. You'll have things coming out for the different holidays, for a New Year's confetti made with leaf pieces <laughs> and all sorts of stuff. So, can you tell us about the Nature Printables Club and why you started that? What are you hoping people get out of it, and how can they find it? Ah, well, my other little love is nature tables. Uh, I love having a nature table for my children. So, when you can't go outdoors, you can bring nature indoors and that can be through plants and little treasures that you find outside. And so, having a nature table gives your children the opportunity to display those items inside. And of course, as I said, many of you will be getting snow soon. So, uh, you you know, have collecting throughout the summer and spring times and bringing them inside for the winter times is a beautiful way to connect with nature while you're stuck inside. Mm-hmm. And so nature printables for me are a beautiful way to just enhance that with learning and and connecting with the knowledge base and skills of nature and a way to to just provide more opportunities to learn about them. So in the Nature Printables Club, we have uh, I provide all pretty much all my printables. There's a few that aren't in there, but most of my printables that I've ever made, which is hundreds, uh, inside a, an area at a library where parents can go and sort through the ones that are best relevant to them. I haven't made it a curriculum. I haven't made it it made it into something too hard for parents. It's really, I wanted it there as a way to allow parents to find what their children's interests are and then print out what is most relevant to their children or what they're relevant, what's relevant to them in homeschooling at the time so that they can use those materials on their nature table. And so I have printables about life cycles, have about, about, um, different different um seasons as you yeah. said and I'm just bringing out the Christmas printables at the moment and they're usually my favorite because we we learn a little bit about reindeer and we learn about um we do a whole bunch of activities related to nature so I have my favorite is our nature advent calendar which gets children every single day of December to go outside and do a nature activity and some of the activities are things like uh making a snowman or mm-hmm trying to find branches and running around with them on top of your head like a reindeer. Uh (laughs) Lots of nature activities that uh, get children outside connecting with their natural um, world. And we have, and then after Christmas, we have all these New Year activities Mm -hmm. coming out. So there's a whole bunch of wonderful New Year activities. exciting things that you can do with leaves although people in the u.s won't have leaves or some people won't have leaves. i mean actually a lot will yes a lot will depending on where you live and you always have such a wide variety of things which i think is really unique and very special so these are all things you can add on they're just going to enhance what you're doing and where can they find the nature printables club uh, it's just on Mother Nature, and there's a nice orange button that says the Nature Printables Club. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I mean, it is your passion. This is your passion project. You have been doing it for a long time. It is a unique thing. I think that you do and very creative. You're always coming up, like I said, with all these ideas and they're beautiful and they're enchanting. And then you said they're biodegradable. They don't have to sit in your house forever. So it's like a win, (laughs) a win, win, win. Do your girls help you with any of them? Do they come up with any of their own ideas? Yes, actually. Do you have poppets in the US? Do you know what poppets are? I think so. Like where you press it in and they're like, yeah, they're like little yeah, plastic. Uh-huh. Yeah, yes, we have them. And I'm always like, oh, my daughter Jasmine loves the poppets. And I'm like, oh, I always worry about them because they're a bit of a fad. And I'm worried that they'll all end up in landfill and there'll just be thousands and millions of poppets in landfill. <laughs> and we were walking the dog the other day and Jasmine said, oh, mum, look, I just found a nature poppet. And it's literally a... <laughs> A beautiful uh, seed pod that has seeds in it, but you can pop pop them um, from one side to the other. What? I know. I wish I had it here. And they're amazing. And they they work just like poppets. <laughs> so she's like, Mom, we should do a, a post about poppets. And I was like, that's so brilliant. And I haven't got to that yet. But, uh, yes, they bring me ideas. They, they often tell me what I should be doing <laughs> on Mother <laughs> <Yeah>. Nature. <laughs> and, that's the age. Uh, that is the age, but I love it. I love that they're engaged in what I'm doing and they're learning from me. And I definitely don't push nature on them, even though because mm-hmm. that's my job, I try really hard not to not to um, bring them in when they're not engaged. So we will do plenty of activities, but I won't make them, you know, do do a lot of things. But they, you know, when they genuinely want to join in, it's a pleasure to have them mm-hmm. um, be involved in it. I think everyone is going to be thrilled to know about these nature poppets because then we should be planting whatever that is. So when it goes to seed, that is so interesting. What about, I know we're running toward the end of our time here, but what about safety? You've got some really good information about safety, just practical things like ticks, but also how do we deal with the anxiety about bumps and bruises and even broken legs and scrapes and things like that? Oh, I'm not the best person to ask about that, Ginny. I'm really like, I'm a free range mum. But I do think obviously safety is still important. And oh, I think I you're think the best person to ask about it. I think by being a free range mom, how did you get to be a free range mom? Or do you feel like you're just kind of that way naturally? I guess I just, for me, it's really about the advantages over the risks. Mm-hmm. I know that nature play in any shape or form is an advantage has more advantages than risks and yes it is very very difficult to not call out be careful um to your children it's we feel so invested in our children we don't want to see them get hurt but I truly believe you need to let them play on their own have that time alone the more they do it the more competent they are the less risk is involved and I mean we just had the launch of the muddy chef and I watched a little baby eat a whole spoon of dirt <laughs> and I can't say that I wasn't worried but, but I really truly believe that all these interactions are really good for children be mindful of of the risks, but always, always let your children have that connection with nature. It's more important for their whole selves. Yeah. Well, when they're when they're learning how to use their bodies, and especially if you're able to start young, then yes. they learn 
what they're capable of and what's a little too hard. And I think that we learn too. We grow little by little Mm -hmm. in our ability to trust that they can know what their bodies are capable of. And so then as the kids get older and older, you are able to watch less and less. And I think actually that makes parenting easier in the long run is allowing kids to be able to trust their own bodies and their own instincts. And they do a good job at it. And in fact, I think that in a lot of ways, they do a better job at it than I do because they're more in tune with their bodies and they've used them more and they're, they're challenging themselves. And so I think that they're fairly safe. So I like that you hit on that on your website, though. You hit about ticks and some specific things. And one thing that I loved on your website, because you brought it up earlier, was having <laughs> this is perfect. You brought up earlier. You talked about having a wildlife like safety kit or like a. I wrote it down and now I can't find it. I can't find the exact wording. But yeah, no, you're right. It was a wildlife a first aid kit. Oh yes, for the wildlife. I've never yes. seen anybody write about that before. But when you said earlier, you said you were always bringing home injured animals <laughs> to your mom. You know, and so I love that this has woven into your adult life where you have ideas on how to have something in your car to help the wildlife if you come across. So could you tell us about that? Yeah, well, I think you should have two things in your car. One is a wildlife first aid kit and the other one is a weather, a wet weather kit so that, you know, it doesn't stop you from getting outside. Have a wet weather kit in your car so that you have like drink bottles for summer, anything, anything that's going to impact your adventures outside, have a, like a kit ready for it for your children. And then a wildlife kit is, uh, I mean, I live in Australia, so we have wildlife everywhere. The other day we had pythons in our backyard and we had what? a really? possum. And we, at the moment, every year for five years, we've had a beautiful crested hawk nesting up behind our house. Wow. And so we have wildlife. Australia is, you know, wildlife. As everyone says, it's really scary and we have spiders everywhere and it's not that bad. Don't don't worry about it. And we don't have drop bears either. They don't drop from the sky. Um, although I have been bitten by a koala, but that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> at the zoo? Or yeah, the yeah. Zoo? I was, yeah, wow. it was at the zoo. I was a zookeeper and I was, yeah, bitten by one. But um that was, you know, that was a very different environment from the wild. They don't tend to attack mm-hmm. to attack you. They're up in a tree. Anyway, yeah, so I guess we do drive around and sometimes people accidentally hit wallabies and possums and mm-hmm. anything that might be, you know, moving across the road. And I had that happen to me once where um, I think I clipped a possum uh, I'm very conscious of driving slowly at nighttime because I, a lot of our animals are nocturnal in Australia and I just think I clipped it. I stopped my car. I looked around and I couldn't find it. I looked everywhere and I felt awful. I just remember feeling awful and thinking, oh my gosh, what if the possum was injured? What would I do? And it was, and I realized that I needed a wildlife kit in my car. So I, it's filled with first aid. I, you know, I, it's filled with a, a pillowcase so that you can put the animal in the pillowcase safely. Um, because we've had issues where people have grabbed an echidna and put it in their car and they can't get the echidna out of their car because it's tucked in so hard. Uh, it's filled with bandages, filled with water, a water bottle. It's filled with, um, even my little, well, wildlife first aid book (laughs) it's filled with all of these things that could potentially help an animal Mm. if you accidentally injure it or if someone else injures it because that can be likely to Mm -hmm. oh that's such a thing I think that 
probably most people have not thought of to keep in the car. And so that's a fantastic idea, a wildlife first aid kit. And I would imagine there are a lot of children like you were when you were a child that would see an animal that's injured and want to help those, yeah. the bird that has fallen out of the tree and all of these different things. So that's actually another really interesting thing to learn about is how can we help and what can we do? I know by us, there's um, a place that you can take injured animals to and they take them and they have a whole veterinarian staff and things like that. And so people may have that near them as well, things that they can look into and learn about. So Penny, this has just been the best. If people can see, I hope I get this up because you're sitting in this lush green. I mean, it is gorgeous. There's birds in the background and um, you are providing such fantastic resources for teachers and for parents and for families to make sure that they are infusing life with real things. There's a little doggy in the background. So cute. <laughs> so MotherNatured.com and I'll put that in the notes so people can find it. That's where they can find the Nature Printables Club and where they can find all of these different interesting blog posts and also the, the Muddy Chef, your new book that launched this year just very recently and would make a fantastic holiday gift. I think people will love looking through everything you have and we always end our episode with a favorite memory from your childhood that was outside. Oh my goodness. I have so many. <laughs> um, I think one of my favorite would be, I think it's a connection with the tree that I had. It should be about wildlife. It should be, but um there was a poinciana tree out the front of my house when I was a child and that's what I climbed and sat in and I felt like I could hide away in this tree and I remember finding her seeds one day and planting planting them and three little trees popped up and I named them all very weird names one was Pepsi one was Bright Eyes and I can't remember the third one (laughs) but that's the kind of kid I was it was very weird one Um, was Pepsi like the drink (laughs) yeah I don't know why um (laughs) and I just I felt like that was a beautiful full circle she had helped me in my time of need and I had helped her to raise her babies <laughs> and now you have three babies and now I have three but yes you should I call one of them Pepsi <laughs> one of them bright eyes <laughs> Oh, wouldn't it be a thing? Like if you had if you had written it down somewhere and someday you would be able to find what you named the third one. That's really a special story. And what a neat thing for you to have cultivated nature at such a young age to have been able to plant the seeds and for them to germinate and start to grow. That must have been so exciting for you and empowering. It really was. I'm surprised I wasn't into plants, you know, mm-hmm. after that experience. But animals were always, yeah. you know, I loved ants <laughs> and <Yeah>. spiders. <laughs> um, Janelle, I wanted to mention, if any of your listeners do buy The Muddy Chef, um, if they can send me their receipt, I've got a beautiful little pack prepared, that okay. a printable pack that they can grab that has uh, a journal, uh, so a Muddy Chef journal and Muddy Chef recipe cards. So if you do buy the book, please send me an email um, and I will send you a, the pack for free, which has gorgeous, beautiful little recipe cards so they can create their own recipes. So it's an extension. Oh, Penny, of the that's Muddy really Chef. fun. So it's like a bonus thing. Okay, so people yeah. buy it, they're just going to take a screenshot or a picture of the receipt. And where do they email yeah. that to? They can email that at penny at com. Well, that was easy. Penny at MotherNature.com. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Making recipe cards is so fun. And I think it's a lost art 
like I think years ago people would give recipe cards for like you're getting married at a bridal shower people will bring like their best recipes and put it in a yeah. little box yeah. so that's a really fun thing same thing helping with literacy once again where exactly. kids are writing yeah. and reading and creating so well that's fantastic the book isn't there just to be inspired. I want children to make their own recipes as well. Yes, I love that. And hopefully then maybe they'll share some of the recipes with you. That would be a cool thing to see. Yeah, different recipes. I love it. Well, Penny, thank you for your time. Congratulations on a new book with Emma Bear. And and ho- we got to do this again. I would love to be here Sooner again. Sooner rather so than later. Yes. Thank you, Penny. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff.